You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you on this day. First, we'll go ahead and talk about our thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks thus far. And then we'll uh, go into an intriguing trading card scenario. Uh, But first, with 34% into the NBA season, our Milwaukee Bucks are one of the best teams in the NBA. uh, With a big, big game against the L.A. Lakers tomorrow evening. So far, Danny, what, what are your thoughts on our Milwaukee Bucks? The Bucks have been phenomenal. There's no, no other way to put it so far. Where we're at right now is they just ended their 18-game winning streak. They were upset on Monday night by the Dallas Mavericks without Luka Doncic. So that caught a lot of people by surprise. But other than that, they've just been playing really well. Though during that time, we've noticed a few things that they can improve upon. Um, as any team or any sport, you could be really good, but there's always something you could fix. A few of the things that I've noticed uh, through the winning streak and to this point, free throw shooting. I mentioned this in the show before. <laughs> Giannis in particular, because teams are going to focus on him and do this hack-a-shack thing. This whole 10 dribble thing at the free throw line, <laughs> I don't understand it. Uh, someone needs to work with him because he's thinking too much. He's hitching. He has no flow to his free throws. And for someone as aggressive as he is, going to the basket, trying to draw contact and fouls, that has to be fixed before they get to the playoff. And then let me add to that uh, particular improvement that's needed. I went to the uh, Pacers game when the Bucks played he, in Indianapolis, and I noticed a huge hitch, uh, eight, nine, ten dribbles. Uh, Giannis went through, like you said. A uh, huge hitch at that particular moment in time. I still see the hitch even on TV. I agree with you. Agree with you. Someone needs to work with Giannis on that. I don't know if he's dribbling that much because he's tired. He's trying to gather himself. He's trying to relax before actually shooting the free throw. But maybe he needs to just wander outside of the free throw line before getting the ball and then get the ball and then do maybe five dribbles and then kind of go into a flow at that particular moment in time, uh, as opposed to the eight, nine, 10 dribbles. Uh, just a thought, what, something that I saw, saw live in a living color uh, when the Bucks uh, played the Indiana Pacers. But that's something they need to fix before the playoffs. They have a lot of time to fix that, but he needs to address that. And I think too, his aggressiveness, he needs to get that mid range jumper. He has taken a beating, he being Giannis, in all of these games where by the time he gets to the playoffs, you worry about him fatiguing a la James Harden when they need him the most. <laughs> so you get to the big game, you get to the conference finals, even the finals, and you're getting beat down every night like this, like kind of like Shaq used to back in the day, in our day. That's going to take its toll on him. And I think that's part of the impact on his free throws is he's tired, but then two, he just needs some type of flow. So that's one thing. Another thing is consistent point guard play. So Bledsoe, as we call him Bledsoe, he, he's one that the Bucks rely on a lot. And right now he's injured, but they need him to be a little more consistent as they're going through the season. Uh, He's had a couple lapses in the fourth quarter where I'm trying to understand what he was doing. So I don't know if it's a focus thing sometimes with Bledsoe, uh, but he needs to figure that out where in the fourth quarter, he's not making mental errors, turnovers, following people on three-point shots, and whatever else he does sometimes in the fourth quarter. I don't know about you, Jay. Look here, man. 
I just remember seeing Bless show on uh, Shaq and the Fool. I don't know if you remember that or not, Danny, but but he ended up uh, the, the ref gave him the ball. He was, you know, uh, taking the ball out of bounds. The ref gave him the ball and and bless. So went ahead and just started to dribble without passing the ball in Shaq and the Fool. Uh, that has been nominated as one of the top Shaq and the Fools so far, man. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. He, he's got to get his head in the game uh, consistently, uh, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, and all. Yep. A couple of positive notes, Dante DiVincenzo, Connington, Sterling Brown, the bench as a whole has been playing lights out. Uh, they've been stepping up. Uh, it's good to have their energy on the floor. Gives Middleton a break, gives Bledsoe a break. Uh, Dante's been filling in at point guard with Bledsoe out. The bench has been playing really well. Wesley Matthews has been playing well. Robin Lopez here and there. Boy, Ursan been out there filling it up a little bit. <laughs> so uh, the one person that I didn't mention, which I'll probably kick it over to Jason on this one, is DJ Wilson. So he hasn't had his impact. And I know Jason has some thoughts on this, so I'll kick it over yeah, to Jay on yeah, man. DJ Wilson. Look here, man. Listen, so I have to agree with you on DiVincenzo. First of all, I was thoroughly excited when the Bucks drafted DiVincenzo. Uh, I called it. Uh, before they drafted, so I should be a general manager, point blank. But no, I, in all seriousness, I, I love DiVincenzo's energy, uh, his defensive presence. Uh, actually, really love it. And uh, his three three point shooting is, is coming along. Uh, right now, he's up about thirty four percent. I will say this uh, before I get to DJ Wilson. This year, I am not impressed at all with uh, Brook Lopez, and especially with Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez is is definitely not better than John Henson. And one can even argue that he is not better than stay ready Thon Maker. Whoa, that's a strong statement. That's a strong statement coming from me, man. You know my thoughts on Thon Maker who got traded to the Detroit Pistons. But uh look here, uh we need someone who who's athletic, an athletic big. Robin Lopez is not athletic at all. And so I, I think we're going to struggle uh in that particular set on that second team, that second unit coming off the bench there and and a big man, athletic big man uh, going against Robin Lopez. I think the opposing team will win out on that. I mean, he has a player option uh, next year, uh, unfortunately, at $5 million. Honestly, I think that that's something that we really need to consider, especially when it comes to this trade uh, deadline in February. I honestly believe we need to think about trading uh, Robin Lopez. Now yeah. I know I know it'd be very unpopular. Look, we trying to go for a chip, and Ronald Lopez is not it. I honestly would really rather have John Henson at this point in time than. Oh Robin man, Lopez. no, 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 not John Henson. <laughs> yeah, not John here, Henson. Man. Look here, man. I know John Henson was not your favorite, but look, John Henson at least provided uh, a defensive presence, blocking shots. I mean, he gave you that hook. Jason, hold on, hold on. Time out, time out, Jason. Time out, time out. I was good with you on Thon Maker. <laughs> but John Henson, come yeah, on, man. Yeah, man, listen, man. John Henson, listen. Was, man, he, come on, Jason. Listen, I said it. I would rather have John Henson than Robin Lopez. Not Brooke. Now, Brooke, uh, we can keep Brooke in the starting lineup. Like I said, I'm not impressed with what Brook is doing. His numbers uh, are down a little bit this year. Um, yes, he's not playing as many minutes, maybe two or three uh, less minutes uh, this year than last year, down three points a game or what have you. But look, Robin Lopez is not the answer. And we need someone who is an athletic big, who can get rebounds, who is more of a defensive presence down low. I'm not saying that John Henson is is Kareem or Shaq or anything like that, but he is more athletic than Robin Lopez. And I think that's something that we honestly really need to, need to consider. Or getting to DJ Wilson, or we start playing DJ Wilson more in place of Robin Lopez. This, this Robin Lopez scenario may be unpopular, Primarily because y'all seen it, man. All the pregame antics in the 
in the hallways and everything with with uh Robin uh Giannis Wesley Matthews and all uh acting like they playing you know they wrestling and everything <laughs> uh Giannis Giannis doing the cobra <laughs> doing the cobra hitting hitting Robin upside their head and everything and then Wesley Matthews or or Giannis pinning him for the one two three count listen other than that <laughs> off the court listen Robin Lopez is not the answer down low in the middle for us man and we got to really consider doing that thing in terms of making a trade. I'm sorry. It's unpopular, but look, we trying to go for a chip. Can I, um, can I interject one thing yep, to right ahead, uh, right add ahead. to your point? Mm -hmm. So if you saw the Memphis game last Friday night, mm -hmm. it was case in point. Jaron oh, Jackson, oh, Jr. He was, he was eating them up, man. They could not do anything. He ended up with 43 points and they could not do anything on the pick and roll, the pick and pop. And it's, both Brooke and Robin suffer from this because they're slow afoot. Yeah. Where, like you said, you get those lengthy bigs that can shoot and take it to the basket. That's a liability on our side. Look, that's why I honestly believe in the preview for tomorrow's game against the Lakers. Listen, the Lakers are going to pick and roll the hell out of the Bucks tomorrow night. Between AD, if AD plays, which it seems like he will be playing, um, he didn't play against the Pacers with the with the ankle injury. Look, the Lakers are going to pick and roll the hell out of the Bucks until the Bucks, you know, get a athlete big man. That is going to be our downfall and our weakness. So yeah, we're going to have to do something there. And let let me back up here for a moment too, man. And I wanted to say this about all the media talking about how the Eastern Conference is is weak versus uh, the Western Conference. I just want to highlight something here. So we are 34% into the NBA season. The Bucks are currently 9-2 and two against the Western Conference. I mean, they play some great teams out of the Western Conference. Houston, they beat. Minnesota, they beat the Clippers twice. OKC, Portland. Utah, New Orleans, and also Memphis, and then they, and then they lost to Utah off of a game-winning shot, and they just lost to uh, the Dallas Mavericks. So I want to really just kind of dispel this whole thing that the Eastern Conference is weak uh, versus the Western Conference. I mean, you can even go as far as saying, I mean, look at what just happened with the Pacers beating the Lakers. The Pacers are the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference with a 19-9 and record right now. I mean, come on. In the sixth seed over in the Western Conference, you got the Utah Jazz at 16-11. and Yeah. So no. make that make sense. So I think when, when we went into this uh, dynamic dual situation, instead of a, a big three, we went to a dynamic dual scenario. I think that has actually changed the – the the power uh if you will it, it made the nba a little bit more have, it made the nba have more parity and really I, I think we need to stop it in the media to say the eastern conference is weaker than the western conference no i think what it is now is it's on and popping it's on and popping and the eastern conference is is finally starting to uh, really be at that same level as the western conference Yep. And if you look at teams that are currently, if you look even the top six in the East versus the West, I could argue easily the East is better than the West based on mm -hmm. the top six seeds in each. But we'll get to that in a different show because that's uh, our comparison to our preseason rankings. Right, right, exactly. Um, just a couple other things too about um, our Milwaukee Bucks, man. Look, when we lost to uh, Dallas uh, the other night, I do have a concern. Bledsoe was out again. Bledsoe slash Bledsoe, he is out. Uh, I know all the grief and the stuff that we give Bledsoe in the fourth quarter and sometimes throughout the game, but 
when you look at what we actually did in that game with Giannis just overpowering fools uh, throughout that game, 48 points, still wasn't enough to win. But we only had a few other people in, in double figures. We had Ilyasova, uh, Korver, and, and Hill in double figures, with Korver actually having 17 points. So my question is, where the hell was Middleton? Isn't Middleton supposed to be the second option? He kind of took a back seat the other night, man. He just didn't look like he had any juice. He had no interest in shooting or anything. And so that's my concern right there. He's supposed to be the number two option, just got paid a hell of a lot of money, and has been declared the second option. Now, I don't know if it was because Bledsoe was out that it just really disrupted things, but just as much grief as we give Bledsoe and everything, I think we got to give some kudos and some props to Bledsoe because at times he can get us some baskets. He can get us some buckets down low uh, and everything. I think that is something that we actually missed uh, in this. And three-point shooting. And three-point shooting. Uh, And so I think we we really need to, uh, just as much grief we give, bless, so we got to give them some kind of props to. Agree with uh, that. So just just a thought there. Um, And kind of going back to uh, Robin Lopez, I think what we really need (laughs) is we need somebody like a Larry Sanders, a Larry Sanders type. Uh, who has a little bit more offense. I think one thing that we did do is we did sacrifice our length. When you look at the Lakers, the Lakers are very tall, very big, and very lengthy. I mean, look at what they have with JaVale McGee, uh, Dwight Howard, AD, LeBron. Well, even like their wings, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, those dudes are long too, man. Yeah, so I, I think what we'll see is I, I think you'll see that we have given up our size, i.e. John Henson. Oh, man. I.e. <laughs> were you drinking before the show, man? John Henson? <laughs> <laughs> man, I'll compare John Henson to Phoenix Dembo. Oh, never that, man. Never that. <laughs> but, Maker, but we did sacrifice some length there. Mm-hmm. Um and yes, we do have yeah Sterling Brown. We have Dimitrenzo. We do have Connington, um, who are scrappy, uh, can shoot the three, range from six four to six six, uh, if you will, in height. But we sacrificed a little length there. So the game tomorrow evening is going to be very very interesting. I, I think the Bucks are going to do well in the regular season. I, I think we got we need to make a trade. Now, will that trade actually happen? In terms of getting Robin Lopez out of here, no, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, so I think the fear is going to be that it's going to be a disruption in the locker room. I mean, now you're starting to think about the Blood Brothers um, yep. and shipping, shipping one of them out. And so um, I don't think that is going to uh, – the trade is going to happen. Um, but what I can see is DJ Wilson getting more time. DJ Wilson needs more time on the court. Um, he's an athletic big. That is something that we are desperately missing right now. I like I said in the early earlier show, one of the thoughts that I have with Coach Bud and how we lost to the Toronto Raptors in the conference finals is because we did not have an athletic big to guard Siakam. I think we're making the same mistake by not having an athletic big uh, play, and we need to put DJ Wilson in the game, see what we get out of him. And if we don't get anything out of him, then that may be a trade bait there. But we need to figure it out because we are too close to a chip not to make a move. Those are my thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks. And just to finish that thought off, when Ursan sat out uh, a couple games ago and DJ Wilson played, DJ Wilson had a double-double. There you go. And then all of a sudden he comes back and he has five minutes. So, in, in, inconsistent minutes, man. Inconsistent yeah. minutes. You, I mean, a player can't get into the right flow just having those inconsistent minutes and all. So Coach Blood's going to have to do something there. Uh, what it is, I, I think he just needs to play DJ Wilson a lot more consistently. Um, yep. And drop down on Robin Lopez. And maybe that was sending a sign to Robin Lopez and being like, look, man, um, these these – hallway antics pregame is cool and everything but uh we talking about this stuff on court i mean a prime a prime you know fact here is 
DJ Wilson averaging 11.8 minutes uh, a game, only played uh, 14 games, only played half the games in the season so far. Uh, The games he played averaging 11.8, and usually those are during scrub times. Yep. Um, uh, And all. Um, And at the time, I mean, he's averaging five points a game. Robin Lopez, who's played every single game this season, the 28, averaging uh, about 14.1 minutes a game, averaging 5.2 points a game. When they picked up Lopez, I thought it was what they needed from it, an interior scrappy bang kind of guy because that's what they missed too last year. But he's just so slow that it impacts him with these quicker teams. And if, and for that fact, you know, I almost would rather see Dragon Dragon Bender. Yeah, I'm kidding. To at least see what he what he can do. I just want to see what he can do, man. He only played in he's only playing three games, nine point seven minutes per game, uh, at that point in time, averaging five points a game. But again, probably during mop up time. So I would want to see what Dragon Bender can do. Now he can't bang because he's not as uh, big, if you will, in terms of size, height-wise he is, but size-wise he's not. But he still can give you something uh, on the perimeter on a consistent basis. But I would want to see what he can offer us. So my hope um, is that, yeah, we're 34% into the season. My hope before we get to 50% uh, to the halfway point here of the season, we start seeing DJ Wilson and even Dragon Bender see what we can do. And then the second half of the season, we start really filtering out what our lineup is going to be come postseason. Exactly. So there you have it, our Bucks' thoughts on uh, the season so far. Now into the preview for the Lakers game on tomorrow. Uh, Danny, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's going to be a really good game. Obviously, it depends if Anthony Davis is playing because obviously that impacts a lot of things the, the Lakers do. So if I'm going on the premise that AD is playing, uh, I think the Bucks still end up beating them by about eight. Mm. I think the thing is with the Lakers on the road – uh, the Pacers kind of exposed them a little bit on some of the things they were doing. If I watched a little of that game last night where the Brogdon, your boy Brogdon, he, look, he sure did look good yeah. last night, but <laughs> I'll leave that one alone. No, uh, no, no, let's touch up on that. Let's touch up on that. Listen, Brogdon is having a hell of a season. Yes, um, and he would be really nice right now back in the Bucks uniform. But we got to let bygones be good bygones. But it was nice to see him and how he played last night. But back to the wow. game. Yeah, I'm feeling, the, I'm feeling the Bucks will win tomorrow night. You know, hoping the Lakers at least show pretty good face, uh, make it competitive because it's on national TV. I was hoping the Bucks would win and the Lakers would win coming into this game. So they both had their winning streaks. But obviously that didn't happen. So I see a lot of, like you mentioned, it's going to be a lot of pick and roll. Uh, I think they're going to try to get Giannis in the foul trouble and Man, force listen, AD Lick, on Giannis. Lick is going to pick and roll the hell out of the Bucks tomorrow night. Yep. I, I see, think I see, I see, honestly, I, I see LeBron having a field day uh, triple-double-wise. I'm calling it right now, triple-double by LeBron. Yep. I think where the Bucks can get them is the role players. So that's where, unless, like, Contavious, Caldwell Pope, and Danny Green. You keep them under wraps, both got it. If they start getting off, then I think the Lakers will win. Uh, I would say this. Um, Chris Middleton has got to show up. This game will not be close if Chris Middleton does not show up. Giannis is going to have an interesting game. Um, you got a lot of bodies down low. This is going to show what Giannis can do consistently with a with a jumper. Yeah, no, because they're going to throw. You got Dwight Howard, Javale McGee, AD. They're going to throw all of them at him. They're going to throw all of them at him, especially down low. And I would even give it this: um, Giannis is going to be blocked about three times tomorrow. 
tomorrow evening. And it's going to be highlight reels out of this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless Chris Middleton steps up to relieve some pressure off Giannis to spread the floor, this I don't think this game is going to be as close as people is giving it. I'm just going to say it. Unless Giannis steps up, or excuse me, Chris Middleton steps up, uh, we need for Dante and Wesley Matthews to drain some threes just to open the floor up. Uh, and here's another thing, too, that I think the Bucs are going to really have to do tomorrow. They're going to have to give the ball, put the ball in the hands of Dante and possibly Wesley Matthews and Chris Middleton to bring the ball up. Uh, enough of this giving, allowing Giannis to bring the ball up because just as easily, I, you know, LeBron can act like Scottie Pippen uh, when Scottie Pippen was on Magic Johnson in the uh, 91 NBA Finals and honestly just pick him up 94 feet and tire him out the whole, the whole game. Mm-hmm. I can see somebody doing that eventually, and I think this game might be that game where it's, it's tested out and where LeBron or somebody actually picks up Giannis full court uh, and tires him, tires him out. So this is where I believe we really miss Bledsoe. This is the type of game we miss Bledsoe in terms of bringing the ball up. Um, so Even his energy, too. If you remember last year when they played the Lakers, even though the Lakers weren't that good, when they were out exactly. in L.A., Bledsoe brought it. And he, he brought had a hell, it. hell of a game that game when they played the Lakers. Well, you know why he had a hell of a game, right? That's no, good. the reason why Bledsoe had that good game because right before the game, he signed that uh, extension contract. Oh, that's right. Yes, that's so right. He, he had money. So in Bledsoe got paid. He had his pockets Bledsoe fat. got paid and was <laughs> like, listen, man, I'm about to go ahead and, and do this thing on the court. Improve the reason. This is the reason why, yeah, I went ahead and paid me this money. I think the advantage the Bucks have on the Lakers is their young talent that they have off the bench that they can wear the Lakers down and run up and down the court and try to tire them out. The Sterling Browns, the Connington's, Dante DiVincenzo, and then having Corver out there hit some threes. That's where their advantage will be in the game. Danny, this is my prediction for tomorrow. I think that, again, the Lakers are going to pick and roll the hell out of uh, Bucks. Uh, I, I'm calling a triple-double by LeBron. Um, if AD plays, which all, all sides point to him playing, I think he's going to have a very aggressive game, um, something like a 25-28-10 uh, type game. Uh, I think Giannis is going to have a good game, but I think he's going to struggle. Um a little bit there. Um, like we, we, what we mentioned, you have AD, you have LeBron, you have uh, Dwight Howard, you have Javel McGee. Those bigs are going to really load down on, you know, down low. Uh, and so Giannis is going to have to step up his game on the three point line. He's been doing a hell of a job that, you know, so far this year uh, in terms of improving from last year, but I think he's going to have to do something even mid-range wise um, just to open it up. And then so that way he, he can counter to go in. Um, so I've, I'm predicting um, in the other factor is Middleton. Uh, Middleton has got to step up, man. I mean, if he doesn't score 20, he average, he's averaging 18 uh, a game right now. If he doesn't uh, get to 20, I'm calling it right now. If he doesn't get to 20, the uh, Lakers will win this game. I agree with that. He, he needs at least 20 to shoot, I think, 30, honestly. I think he's going to have to have at least 25, really. But I'm I'm being generous and saying, hey, you got to get at least 20, Milton. Um, yep. this, is the, this is the type of game that you step up and, and play. And honestly, here's another thing, too. I think that um, Coach Bud is going to have to play Middleton more. Middleton is only averaging 27 minutes, 27, 28 minutes a game right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so now I think it's time for him to step up to get to that 30 mark. Especially yeah. in a game like this. Got to step up, Middleton, um, in order for, you know, the Bucks to win. Um, now, where the, where's that other scoring going to come from? Brooke Lopez. If he's on tomorrow, that pulls everyone out. Yeah. So he's, I think, to your point, Middleton's the key. But 1B is Brooke Lopez. I I agree there. Drawing out the defense. 
I wholeheartedly agree. Let me ask you this, Danny, and this probably should have gone back to the previous segment here, but what are your thoughts on Rusty Matthews so far? He's averaging 23 minutes a game, 24 minutes a game, uh, averaging seven, close to eight points a game. He is shooting 38% from the three-point line, 53, 54% overall um, in terms, excuse me, in terms of two-point field goals, that is. And so in overall 43% from the field, overall 43% from the field. So let me ask you, what are your thoughts on on Wesley Matthews so far? So I like him from the standpoint of the team point of view. Good dude in the locker room, good leader, brings positive energy to the team. Um, As far as on the court, he seems to make shots at crucial points when he needs to. I think he's getting too many minutes, honestly. And pulling away from some of the minutes like a Sterling Brown should be getting. He's fine, I guess is the way I could put it. He's he isn't terrible by any means, but he's not nothing great. And for him to be starting, that's that kind of I don't know about that, but I think he is someone if you need the package, he would be a part of that package deal. Uh, I think what the Bucks decided to do by let Brogdon go is to fill the void with three or four people. Mm-hmm. So get Wesley Matthews. Let's put him in the starting lineup. Let's go ahead and allow him to score a little something. Again, he's averaging eight points a game. Then we have Dante DiVincenzo, uh, who typically have gone come off the bench if Bledsoe was in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's averaging eight, nine points a game. And then, oh, by the way, sometimes let's bring in Pat Connington. Pat Connington's averaging, you know, five points a game. And sometimes if push comes to stuff, we need a bucket. Let's bring in Sterling Brown, who's averaging six points a game. So I think what the Bucks decided to do was let's fill the void with many people and ultimately, um, you know, move on from there. Is the strategy working? It's working. I mean, this came 18-game winning streak. We'll see when the lights are bright. We'll see how they actually play. So there you have it. Those are our thoughts on the Milwaukee Bucks so far, 34% into the season, and also the preview for the game against the Los Angeles Lakers. Now we'll go ahead and go into our trading card scenario for this show. Uh, Danny, why don't you go ahead and introduce the trading card scenario. So our trading card scenario for tonight is Glenn Robinson's rookie card for Grant Hill's rookie card. Both Grant Hill and Glenn Robinson came into the league in 1995. Uh, Glenn Robinson was the number one pick of the Milwaukee Bucks. And Grant Hill came right after Mr. Big Dog, as they called him, Glenn Robinson. So in this trading card scenario, um, just looking at overall high-level stats, Grant Hill played in the league 18 seasons. And I'm taking this from the perspective of current day. Uh, we can also debate if we were doing this back in, 90, in 95. Uh, so we can take both approaches here. So right now, um, like I said, Grant Hill played 18 seasons. Glenn Robinson played 11. Uh, Glenn Robinson has one championship. Grant Hill did not get the championship. Uh, All-Star games, Grant Hill hit seven. All-Star games, Big Dog made two. Uh, All NBA first team, Grant Hill had one. Glenn Robinson had zero. All NBA teams in general, five for Grant Hill, zero for Glenn Robinson. Rookie of the year was Grant Hill. So those are just a few of the highlights um, in this scenario. So if we take this from the perspective of today, I would definitely take Grant Hill um, just based on Grant Hill's overall game. When he, and looking at, he was 
another version of Scottie Pippen. If you think of Scottie Pippen, a point forward who could shoot, who could pass, who could play defense. He's your prototypical player right now. He would strive in this league right now just based on the way he played. The only thing with Grant Hill was, was his injury history. He had really bad ankles. He had a really bad ankle sprain uh, right at the peak of his career. And he missed maybe four or five years in a row based on this ankle injury. And he finished off the season, um, his career uh, with the ankles. And he was able to piece some seasons together with Phoenix and things like that. That's Grant Hill. Big Dog was a scorer. Defense was not his forte. <laughs> but he, he <laughs> Big That's Dog, man. That is an understatement. <laughs> one. Listen, man, Big Dog did not play no any defense whatsoever. It was like, man, he just decided to lie on the court. It was a straight Ole. <laughs> but Big Dog, in the scheme of the Bucks team, playing with Ray Allen and Sam Cassell and Tim Thomas and that group, he was the perfect player. And you talk about mid-range, you needed something between 12 to 18 feet, Big Dog was hitting it. Oh, yeah, Big Dog was hitting Yeah, man. Big Dog, yeah, he had the mid-range game on lock. Doing this from a totality career perspective, it would be Grant Hill, uh, hands down for me. If we're doing this in 95, I'm taking Big Dog. We were in school, and Big Dog was at Purdue, and you get home and on ESPN, you know, Grant Hill played with Duke, and everyone was, you know, Duke was nationally known. But then you watch Big Dog put up 30 and 40 on Cats, and he was getting maybe 10 boards a game, I believe, at the time, in that, his uh, junior year. There was nothing better than watching Big Dog at Purdue just bust people's eyes. Jason? <laughs> Listen, man, let me jump in here, man. So... <laughs> All right, so overall, you went overall. I just want to make sure you went overall. You would take Grant Hill, um, but um, I, and I think it was the '94 draft that came out. But you said back then you would take Big Dog, right? If it was at that point in time, I'm taking Glenn Robinson's rookie card. Okay. If it's now, I'm taking Grant Hill's rookie card. Okay. I would say, you know, I, I would agree with you on if it was now, I, I would take Grant Hill. Uh, I'm gonna throw some names out at you, uh, out at you, um, just so that way um, those who are a little bit younger can can understand and realize um, the comparison here. Um, so, Grant Hill, you mentioned Scottie Pippen. I'm gonna throw a couple names out at at you here. Clay Thompson. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Donovan Mitchell, Devin Booker, Zach Levine. I, I think when you talk about Grant Hill, in my opinion, you, you know, those names I just mentioned, Grant Hill was back then when he came out. He was a combo guard, powerful guard. And, and, and one thing you got to keep in mind, too, this is when Jordan uh, went ahead and retired. And there were thoughts that Grant Hill was going to uh, take the mantle and run with it as the, being dubbed the next Jordan. Uh, Grant was the truth when he came into the league, man. And that was, you know, obviously one of the reasons why he uh, was co-rookie of the year with Jason Kidd. Um, so um, overall, career-wise, uh, that includes his time at Duke. I would go with Grant Hill. I got to disagree with you, though, man. Listen, uh, on if we were talking about trading cards, the rookie cards back then. Yeah. 94, 95. Look, man, I'm taking, I'm taking Grant Hill all day on that one. Man, you crazy. Man, listen, look here, man. The reason why I'm taking Grant Hill over Big Dog back then is because, look, Grant Hill, yeah, he played with Duke. I, I could not stand Duke, okay? Could not stand Duke whatsoever. But listen, Duke went ahead and played two of the most recognized 
teams in all college basketball. As a matter of fact, they've done a 30 for 30 on the Fab Five. They've done another ESPN special on the Running Rebels of Coach Tarkanian. Mm-hmm. And Duke beat both those teams. Let's be real. Grant Hill was on the squad that beat both teams. So hang on now, hang on now. So the game that that Duke when Duke beat UNLV, the Running Rebels, back in '91, Grant Hill was on the squad, and yeah, he scored 11 instrumental in that win, 79-77. Every point counted, obviously. When Duke played the Running Rebels the year before, and they got blown out by 30, Grant Hill was on the team when. When Duke played the Fab Five, blew them out by 20 in the, champion, in the championship game, uh, Grant Hill had 18 on them. My point is, Grant Hill played and beat, you know, the, the teams that we recognize as uh, a predominant college team. I mean, come on, man. Let's just be real. Back then – Everybody was a lot of people were for UNLV running rebels, man. They dominated the whole season. Oh, yeah. National champions season before, ranked number one throughout the season the year after. And here they are blowing teams out and they come across a Duke team that ended up beating them by two. Grant Hill was a part of that. Fab five. Come on, man. Everybody know about the Fab Five, man. I mean, it's cultural phenomenon. They went ahead, baggy pants, you know, bag, baggy shorts, uh, ball heads, dominating fools. Fab five, come on. Grant Hill went ahead and beat them. I'm not in no way am a fan of Duke, but I got to give props where props do. I would go ahead and take Grant Hill over Big Dog purely because the potential – that he that he has in the NBA based upon the names that I provided earlier and how he could compare. But then also the fact that when the lights were the brightest, he went ahead and, and beat those two predominantly recognized teams in, in college basketball. Time out, time out. Hold on, hold on. In this scenario, Big Dog had Conzo Martin on his squad. Grant Hill had Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, Tony Lang, Cherokee Parks. He had a squad. He was a system player. Hold up, man. Big Look. Dog just went out there and gave you 40. He was just out there raw. Just That's why I like watching Big Dog because he had nobody else with him. Let me ask you this, man. When the lights were brightest, <laughs> yeah. when the lights were brightest, okay, we can go to that because in the, in the NCAA tournament, in yep. 94, Purdue yes. actually played Duke in the tournament. Elite Eight. They played in the Elite Eight. And what happened? Purdue lost because Big Dog had no help. Big Dog didn't do a damn thing that night, oh, man. Oh, Big Dog, we got to check the scores here. Hold man, on. I'm, I'm looking at the box scores, man. <laughs> Big Dog only had 13. How many Grant Hill have? Man, Grant had 11. Oh, see? There we go. I won. <laughs> <laughs> No, but but he's supposed to be all world though. Meaning, big man, dog. They, he, he's supposed to be all world, right? Thirteen. Listen, man. Man, they big, man, they're boxing one in big dog that game because he had no help. Man, Matt Waddle had sixteen on him. Exactly, man. Matt Waddle, because he had to pass the ball because they're double teaming him the whole game because they knew he was coming in as a force. Look here, man. I mean, Duke. I mean, at the time they played, Duke had this is their starting five. Chris Collins, Antonio Lane, Jeff Capel, Cherokee Parks, and then Grant Hill. Grant Hill had 11 on him. And all I'm saying is this. Big Dog was supposed to, you know, be dropping 20, 30, 40 points, man. Only came up with 13. Come on, man. Let's just be real. When the lights were shining brightest, he didn't show up. Man, he was 6 for 16 from the field that game, man. 0 for 6 from three points. They threw all, everything at one, him, Jay. One for, one for three for the free throw line. <laughs> when the lights were shining the brightest, <laughs> Big Dog didn't step up, man. 
I'm going Grant Hill on that. Give me Grant Hill all day, every day. Now, let me ask you this. Yes. Since we disagree on that, let me ask you this. Yes. Because in that NBA draft, yep. number one pick, Big Dog. Yes. Number two pick, Jason Kidd, who went to the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Of course, Big Dog went to the, our Milwaukee Bucks. Number three pick, uh, Grant Hill went to the Detroit Pistons. Okay? Yes. Let me ask you this. Do you feel that the Milwaukee Bucks made a mistake by getting Big Dog? Now, before you answer that, let me, let me mention this. On, on that um, team, uh, as I uh, bring it up here, that Milwaukee Bucks team that we had back in 94, 95, that season, I mean, we had an interesting <laughs> – That's a good way to put it. An <laughs> interesting squad. Um, and – I would just say uh, we had the likes of, of course, Big Dog being drafted, uh, but we also had Ben Baker. Mm-hmm. We had John Barry. We had Todd Day, Tate George, Alton Lister. Lee, man, Alton Lister was still in the league back then. <laughs> Alton Lister was in the league for a while, man. <laughs> Let's be real. Uh, Lee Mayberry, Eric Mayday. Mobley. Eric Mobley, Eric Murdoch, Johnny Newman, Ed Pickney, and so Aaron Williams, Danny Young. So the Bucks actually had a, a relatively decent squad. Um, I disagree with that, Jason. Yeah, I, that team was terrible. Well, let me let me let me say well, but decent squad compared. I play like this decent squad compared to the Detroit Pistons. Okay, because the, the Detroit Pistons had real quickly. Yeah, they had. Just to name some highlighted players here, Johnny Dawkins. Uh, they still had Joe Joe Dumars, uh, of course, Grant Hill, but they had Allen Houston. They had Lindsey Hunter, Mark Macon. Um, they also had Oliver Miller. And that was pretty much it. So compared to what the Detroit Pistons had, yeah, our squad was, was better. Uh, and, uh, but I, I think our squad at least had the makings of – of a, a, a core unit with Ben Baker. This that was his first year. I mean, going into his second year. I mean, you had Todd Day. That was Ty going Day into was his horrible. Jason. Jason May Day was not was not hitting on anything in ninety four <laughs> ninety five. <laughs> ben Baker was. I totally agree with you there. The rest of the team, yeah, I. I don't know. I thought the Detroit team you just named off with Allen Houston, Lindsey Hunter, and was better. Old Joe Dumars. Uh, we, I, think, I, put, I put like this, man. We had a young squad. Yeah, Alton Lister. Nah, I Alton, agree with that. Several Alton, Alton Lister. And looking at it, Alton Lister was going was going into his twelfth, thirteenth year. Everybody yep. else were were either rookies or we were in the first, second, third years. Uh, Johnny Newman was in his eighth year, mm-hmm. and Pinkney was in his ninth year. Danny Young was as a ninth year. Other than that, we had everybody else one, two, or three years in. So, with that oh, being okay. said, if we had revisionist history on the draft that year, mm-hmm. I was hoping they would have took Jason Kidd mm. and not Grant Hill. Uh, and you mean the, the only Bucks. reason you I said that was you because mean, I thought Jason mean, Kidd would have been a nice facilitator for them. You mean the Bucks, right? For the Bucks, yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, if if there was any, I prefer Big Dog over Grand Hill, as we talked about earlier, because I thought Big Dog was a scoring punch that, which he did prove to be. He he was averaging twenty. He, he career he averaged twenty. Yeah, I give so, I give you that. But he played. He didn't play now. Look at defense, man. Man, please, man. Listen, <laughs> that fool did not play a look at defense. So yeah, he had a lot of energy on the offensive end. But I think with that, Big Dog was the one. I thought they should have selected between him and Grant Hill, between him and Jason Kidd. I thought Jason Kidd would have been a better fit in that draft, but then Big Dog ended up being what he was going to be. He was a scorer, and they needed scoring, and he got – he brought energy, and then which also ultimately catapulted them up to their 2001 run when they had Ray Allen and everyone else. 
let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, man. Um, who would you compare Big Dog to to today? In today's game? Whew. Oh, man. That's, oh. I, I'm going to give you one while you think about it. I'm going to yeah. give you one. Mm-hmm. Big Dog is almost like a bigger version of James Harden. Scoring, the only thing I would say. Scoring, no defense. They didn't, both don't play no defense. <laughs> the, only, the only thing I would say is Big Dog didn't really have a handle. Like James Harden yeah. has a ridiculous has handle. handle. Yeah, true that. But Big Dog can score from any part of the floor. Let that me, was his let me, thing. He, let, he let me cannot handle this. the ball really well. Let me ask you this. Yes. What about Middleton? Yeah, I can see a little of that. I think he was more aggressive than Middleton, though. I agree. Like he I had, agree. When he was on the offensive end, he wanted the ball. He wanted to score. He wanted mm-hmm. to um, – Mid-range game. Mid-range game was off the hook. I mean, so, same, same with Middleton. He, Middleton has a good mid-range game. Yes. Well, shoot, I think Big Dog three. was just a tougher player than him. I agree. On I agree the offensive there. end. So I, I think agree. that's a good comparison, actually, with Middleton. Mm-hmm. Um, just from because Big Dog was six eight, Middleton six eight. Yeah, the yeah. mid range game is the key. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Big Dog was just a stronger offensive player. Okay, okay. I still would take Rain Hill all day, man. He, back then, ninety four draft, uh, and I would take Rain Hill rookie card over Big Dog's rookie card. Big Dog didn't play a look at defense. Um, he can score, but no defense. And looking at the totality of the career, listen, I'm including that of the college years as well. When the lights were shined the brightest, Grain Hill beat two of the most recognized college basketball teams of all time. I'm saying all the time, man. Fab Five and the Running Rebels. He, he beat them. He was a part of the system that beat them. Did he win? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> he did win. I'll give you that. I will give you right. that. But and Big so, Dog had some help in that game, in that Elite Eight game. They would have beat Duke. And he so no basket- basketball is a team sport, man. <laughs> that is that is true. This, thing, this ain't golf. This, ain't, this is not golf. This is not <laughs> uh, no Tiger Woods by himself. This is not no uh, – uh, <laughs> So I, that so there you have it. Danny would have taken uh Big Dog back in the day over and you said you would take Grant Hill. From a career and, perspective, I'll take Grant Hill's overall okay. career, but coming out of the draft, the ninety four draft, it was big dog all day. I was a big dog fan. Okay. Okay. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.